Good morning. Can you hear me? Good. I guess you know the story of the preacher that, you know, he got up and put his notes in front of him, the Bible, took his watch and put it on the, in front of him too. And then the little kid asked his father, what are those notes? Well, he spent, this, the, our preacher, he spent several hours this week studying, and those are the notes, the things that he's going to share. And what is that big black book? Well, that uses the word of God to direct his thoughts and ideas. And what about the watch? Well, that doesn't mean anything. So um, don't worry about time today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, good morning. We're celebrating uh, our annual Sanctity of Light Sunday. Uh, we have uh, two special guests this morning. Uh, Kaylee Cornett. She is the Hope Clinic CEO. And also Mary Drake. She is the development coordinator. And so let's welcome them. Welcome them. Thank you. We just uh, appreciate you guys being here this morning. Uh, they're going to be outside uh, right after our uh, service this morning. And hopefully you will be able to go and thank them for their work and also uh, ask questions about how you can help and support this important ministry. I don't see Hope Clinic as a clinic. I see it as a ministry. And they do, uh, all they do is based in their love for God and in their love for life, right? And so we are just uh, honored to have you here this morning. And we're also honored to have an opportunity uh, to, to help you guys, to be partners, uh, partners with you. As uh, you know, I'm the uh, community outreach minister. Also, I am the Hispanic minister, among other things. And uh, it is just my joy, right? It's my joy to be part of this uh, process. And uh, when I, I was talking to uh, Mrs. Uh, Will, uh, Williamson, Chonera Williamson, and uh, when I asked her what is the biggest need, you know, of course, you know, money is always welcome, but she said that they need mentors really, really bad. And so, just uh, yes, I'm following uh, Joe Davis' example, and I'm about to embark in that process of getting trained to be able to have direct uh, client contact. So you have to be trained. And so I'm planning to do that and, and just, uh, you know, do something about this. And so I, I hope that you guys are going to be encouraged this morning with this me message to do the same. And I want to tell you something. If Joe David can do it, you say every, anybody can do it. <laughs> That's right. And so... Um, so uh, just uh, thank you again for, for being here. <laughs> I really love uh, uh, the name of the Hope Clinic. Uh, Hope Clinic is such a deep and, and beautiful word. And we want to be, uh, you know, thinking and talking about that in a little bit. I'm just going to show you a, a little uh, video to give you an idea of what Hope Clinic is all about. When we strip it all away, the politics, the social justice, the right to this, the right to that, the judgment, the shame, what are we left with? A human being with a heart and a common desire to love and be loved in return. 
human being in crisis. In this moment, we must respond when no one else is. We offer hope in the midst of a storm. Sanctity finds its way in and becomes our common ground. From there, we help write a new story. We play our part right up to our exit. Three weeks, nine months, five years, whatever it takes. One thousand four hundred stories every year. Each story is different, except for one thing. In the end, hope wins. Hope wins. Common definitions of, of the word hope in the English language, even in Spanish, will never completely describe what hope really means. Uh, for those who have completely trusted their lives and even their ex existence uh, to God. And so as a general rule, people underst understand hope as a wish, right? They, they think, well, hope will win, right? Good luck with that hope. Uh, and so um, um, people understand hope as a, as a desire, uh, as this, this positive idea that things will be okay, that things, things will have uh, for their own good or for their own benefit. But in the Bible, um, the word hope goes beyond a simple wish, Right? Or even positive thinking, and and so it, it is a very complex word. It, it, it used in different texts, uh, text in different contexts. And when you, I brought all those ideas together, and this is something I came up with uh, as a, a more biblical-based uh, definition of the word hope. Hope is the confident expectation. The sure certainty that what God has promised is true. Has occurred or will occur in accordance with God's unfailing word. Amen? Is that different from wishy-wishy? We're hoping, right? So hope is as like an anchor, anchor to, the, to the soul uh, of, of, the, of the Christian. And actually, from my perspective, the most complete statement of hope is found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And listen to this, because there are a couple of things. Again, I don't have enough time. You can take a whole series of classes just to teach on hope. But 
but just in general terms, I think this is the most, the, 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 the most comprehensive, comprehensive uh, statement of hope found in the Bible. And it's in Romans chapter 15. It says, listen to this, may the God of hope, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear that? I want you to read it on your own. I mean, this just bring it into your heart. Just, just, re, just read it on your own for a second. It's just such a beautiful, such a powerful prayer. And, and, and you, you know, we can sit around and, and kind of hear one another. But for me, the, the thing that really hit me is that God... Number one, the God of hope. How about that? He's the God of hope. And, and that means that he is the source of hope. And our joy, joyful expectation is not founded on a theory or on a philosophy or a, an idea, right? Positive thinking, desire. Uh, so we need to embrace hope as a reality, Right? It's a reality rooted in God himself. So I wanted you, you to learn, what, if you don't hear anything else today, God, hope is a person. Can you repeat with me? God, hope is a person. And you know who that person is? Jesus. And one of the things that I love about that song, my only hope is you, Jesus. My hope is a person. It's not a thing, right? It's not a wish. It's a, it's a person named Jesus Christ. And, uh, and that means that hope, it is not something that we have to work up, right? It's not something that you have to earn or, or, or to win in your own strength or in your abilities. Because the source of hope uh, is, is God. So that's, that's, that's number one, just, just, just to start with. Second, as children of God, we have a life, or we can have a life that overflows with hope. And, and you know why? Because we have spirit. And hope comes by the power of the spirit. And so you can abound in hope. You can be a hopeful person. A person that radiates hope. And, and, and this is the thing. If you, you have your hope in Jesus, and if you understand that hope is a person, and if the Holy Spirit is working with you, then what it is going to come as a, as a result is you're going to be a person full also of joy and peace. So hope, hope can bring you joy and peace in the midst of the most horrible situation you can be going through. Amen? And that's so important. Hope, guys, is so important, and, and we will be talking about hope a lot this, this year. So what is so important for us to, uh, to understand this concept of hope, especially today? And this is why when we approach people who are going through very difficult times, and, you know, many people are going through difficult times. 
we need to understand and we need to let them know that if they place their hope in God, in the person of Jesus Christ, he will rescue them. Amen? He will rescue them because that's his promise. Yeah? And we need to take him by his promise. And he will provide them everything they need. No matter how difficult the circumstances could be. Amen? And so that's why if you are a person of hope, if you believe in the God of hope, then you can with confidence, with joy and full of peace, talk to somebody and tell them, if you put your trust in Jesus, you put your hope in him, he will take care of you. Amen? And that's why it's so important uh, for us to understand this. And when we are thinking about the Hope Clinic and the work they do, and as I said at the beginning, they do need volunteers. One of the things that she told me, uh, Mrs. Uh, Williamson, Chanera, she told me that they need mature Christians to do this type of work. So it's not really for everybody. I mean, I was just taking, you know, advantage of Joe David like many people do. Uh, but it's not really a, a something that for everybody. It needs to be calm, or they need volunteers that have a living, active, personal, personal relationship with Jesus. That's the kind of people that they need. And we have a lot of people like that here. I see it every week. And so if you have a living, active relationship with Christ, then you can walk with going through very, very difficult times and offer them the hope that he has given you. Amen? And so, uh, so I, 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 it's important for us to, to understand this. Uh, and, and another thing is, before I forget, uh, time, because again, we, we live in a culture, uh, whether we want to accept it or not, that is bound by time, right? Everything we do has to do with time. And when you ask somebody to do something, what is the answer? I don't have time. I don't have time. So let me ease you and, and you know, give you a little bit of peace in that regard, because you might be feeling that, man, I would love to help man uh, struggling with this. I would love to help a young woman struggling with this. I would love to do it, but then I don't have time. Well, they say, and you can correct me uh, if I'm wrong, that you, they need, will need you or the time commitment is between one and two hours a month. Is that correct? About two hours top. Let me ask you, can you spare two hours to bring hope to somebody? Raise your hand if you have two hours to bring hope to somebody. Don't lie to me. Everybody needs to raise. Don't want to commit, okay? And so, uh, so don't don't think that it's going to be, uh, you know. Well, there is there is a commitment at the beginning. You need a there is a training when when you have direct contact with people. You need to be trained to do that. And so it's about what four hour four hour. Uh, uh, training and they're doing it online, right? It's the participating in that one. It's on February the 17th. Uh, it's a Thursday. It's going to be online. So you don't have to even, you can stay on your pajamas. If you want to turn off, you probably have to turn on your camera, put some makeup, ladies. But you can do it at home, right? 
Uh, and so, so this is important. Now, I want to switch gears. And this morning, I would like to share a few uh, important... I'm going to take you to a little uh, time travel. Let's put it that way to make it easier, make it more fun. We want to travel in time. And uh, it should not be a surprise for you that uh, the killing idea, the, the idea of killing innocent children has been used historic, historically as a tool to control a specific, specific uh, demographics, a specific uh, ethnic groups, right? So again, in history, and especially when you look at the Bible, uh, abortion and the killing of babies has always been used as a tool to, to control specific groups, right? Specific demographics. Right. And, uh, and two, two examples that come to mind are first the Hebrew people. You remember the people back in Old Testament times, um, they um, were oppressed. They were multiplying like crazy. And so the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They started to panic. And these people are growing. These people are very strong. They are outnumber us. And they decided, well, we need to do something about this. And so uh, uh, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, told, said the following in Exodus 1.16, when you are helping the Hebrew women, and he's talking to the midwives, when you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. That's what abortion is. I mean, you can put it there any way you want to put it and make it sound nice. I'm not here to talk nice. I usually don't. But uh, they say kill them. But if he's a girl, let her leave. And that happened in China also, remember, with girls. So when you want to control a population, you kill the babies. I mean, that happens all over the world. We have seen that. We are seeing that, that today. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys leave. And, and I want to tell you something again. I'm not going to be politically correct today. I don't get paid to do that. If that's the case, then I'm going to have to find a different job. But um, people that kill babies, uh, they don't fear God. Amen? If you're willing to kill a baby, you're going to have to face the creator of that baby. One day or another. So these ladies, they said, I'm, I'm more fearful of God himself than Pharaoh or anybody else. And, and so they, they didn't do that. And so um, a few verses down, so this is God's, let, let me show you what is God's position on the abortion issue. This is God's position. So God was kind to the midwife. And remember that they lie. Remember that they, 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 they told them, oh, these ladies, we come and are, the kids are already out. And so they, so they, they, they die. 
but that God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw him into the Nile. Now they're going to drown them. We're just going to disappear, these people. We are afraid of these people. And sometimes when, when people are different than us, and they have different culture, and they have different ideas than ours, and they look different than us, we get fearful, Right? And so another example was during the time of Jesus, yeah, and then the same idea, uh, they were threatened by this new king. Um, and so Jesus, listen to this, God, God's own son became the target of a political system that will stop at nothing to accomplish their plans. Even if that meant killing innocent children. Right? That's history. That, that's, that's in the Bible. And so, uh, you know the story. When King Herod heard this, though he heard about the Messiah coming, this newborn king, he was frightened. Again, fear. Fear is always uh, a problem. When we fear others. And so, well, you know the story. What happened next? He was very, very, very furious, and then he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time. And so, as we, you know, as we can see, fear and hatred were the motivators of these two massacres. Amen? Fear and hatred. And, and well, okay, what happened? What happened? What, what does that have to do with us today? Well, the effect, let's talk about the, the African American population. And there is so much history on this. And I spent, I'm going to ask you to go and, and research on this. You will be blown away of peop, things that presidents in this country in the past have said. It's just awful. The whole thing is just awful. But since uh, the legalization of abortion, powerful and evil people has used abortion clinics as tools to decide who lives and who dies. So we're taking God's control on life, we, who we decide. And do you know who is the consumer of the abortion industry, of the abortion services in America? You know who is the leading consumer? The African-American woman. The African they have been disproportionately affected. They have the highest abortion ratio in the country. Listen to this. 474 abortions for 1,000 lives. African-American people. And they are just 13% of the population. 14% of the, the childbearing uh, women. That's what it says underneath. In 2011, the CDC reported that black women make up 14% of the childbearing population. Yet, they obtain 36.2% of reported abortion. Reported abortion. So, we are killing in a specific demographic group. We wouldn't want to talk about it. 
For example, in 2020, the African-American population was 44 million, almost 45 million. But then since 1973, close to 20 million African-American babies have been aborted. That's about half of the current population. Do you know that? Half of our current population. But we don't want to talk about this because we don't want to get in trouble, right? With who are we getting in trouble? So at every in income level, African-American women have higher abortion rates than whites or Hispanic women, except for those below the poverty line, which uh, Hispanic women uh, under the poverty line are a little bit higher, not much. It's not, it's not a big difference, but it's, 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 a little bit, it's a little bit higher. And so, so the African-American community is the demographic most affected the introduction um, of abortion clinics. And this is another thing. They have been, Planned Hood, it's called the name of that, Planned, Planned Parenthood. Their abortion clinics are, 80% of their clinics are on minority neighborhoods. Is that because, oh, wait, wait, that's the best place we found? You think that's by chance that they place these abortion clinics in their neighborhoods? So poor people don't need a right to go to abortion clinic. They can walk down the street and get an abortion in this land. And we say that we, in this land, we fear God. And so why do support abortion? Good question. It have been, you know, we got many answers, but uh, you know, it's, it's inconvenient. It's because of inconvenience and because of economic savings, it costs money to feed, to clothe, and to educate more people, right? So they cost money. These people cost money, and they call it like that. It's just they cost money. It's just it's pricey. Oh, there's, you know, there one, a few, uh, you know, that, because they like to manipulate the African-American uh, community. They use the, the banner of civil rights as, a, as an excuse. Choice. It's just a choice. Women have the choice to end somebody, somebody else's life. Uh, also, some psychiatrists, social workers, and doctors often argue in favor of abortion on the basis that the child will grow up mentally and emotionally incomplete. So they're going to be messed up for life. They're going to have mental and emotional and developmental problems, and so we just better just to get rid of them. Let me ask you a question. To you, each one of you, that probably were, were, you, know, you were raised with a father and a mother in a middle-class neighborhood, widow, are you complete? Do you feel you are mentally and emotionally complete? Thank you. Because I am not. I mean, if I'm honest with you, I'm a mess, you know. Uh, the, the, the elders have to keep me in a short leash uh, because, you know, you never know what this dude is going to do. And so who is complete? If we can justify abortion based on emotional incompleteness, then also we should be able to kill people because they are physically incomplete, right? So if you are blind, oh, you are not complete, so let's get rid of all the blind people. And if you are disabled, and if, you know, something is missing in your body, 
And what about the elderly that need so much care? How much does it cost to keep an elder alive, giving all what they need? But we spend millions of dollars on our elderly people. You know why? Because we love them, right? We love them. We want to keep them here as long as we can. Even if we end up broke, it's okay. We love them. Because life is precious. Doesn't matter how old or how complete you are. Amen? And so, uh, so when the Bible tells us that uh, Jesus uh, had to suffer all the pains and the sorrows um, that we, we have to go through, guys, this is not an exaggeration. I mean, Jesus was born in an unplanned. Jesus was not planned by his mom, right? Mary was like, what in the world? And I'm wondering if when she was told, I'm going to have to stop reading the Bible because I'm going to take longer and then people get mad at me. So I'm going to go fast now. But when the angel came in and told her, hey, you're pregnant, she's like, what? She did not have that in her plans. So she was the perfect client for you people, right? So Mary, let's come around. Let's talk about this. Tell me really who is the guy. Not, I don't think it's God or the Holy Spirit. Just tell me who it is. And imagine people, she's trying to convince the whole clinic that this was the, the work of the Holy Spirit. Good luck with that, Mary. <laughs> it was tough. Guys, it was tough for Mary. To be with a baby that she was not planning to have. Now, something that we, we need to rec- recognize uh, is that then from the beginning, Jesus was destined to be a marginal person. If, if, if being poor is, is, is a death sentence for you, then Jesus, the son of God, he was an, on the list of the people that will be killed in America. Because she, he, he was born of an unwed mother. Jesus was born to be a marginal person. He was conceived. Mary, when she was unwed, that was a capital sin in their culture. Yes or not? Capital sin. Thus, while the birth of Jesus to Mary was divinely justified, it was nevertheless socially condemned. She was just ready to put to shame. Jesus, as well as his parents, was marginalized from the time of his conception. If we have to place Jesus in America, he was born in the hood. Right? In the hood. Somewhere like really, really low, in a really low, bad spot, where nobody wants to go there because you're going to get shot. And he was not in the list of, of the welcome people in this world. And so Jesus, guys, and that's why our hope is him. Because Jesus can relate to everybody. He was a king, right? So he can relate to the rich and the powerful. But then he, he emptied himself and became, amen? So he can relate to the poor, Right? And he, if he was a volunteer in the Hope Clinic, he said, my mother went through the same problem you're going through. But my heavenly father helped her too. Right? And somebody was also trying to kill her child. 
And he can say, that child is me. Jesus was a refugee. Do you know that? Jesus was, by the time he was three or four, he was already a refugee. So Jesus can relate to the poor because he was poor. Jesus can relate to refugees. He had to flee to Egypt of all places because they were trying to kill him. A lot of these women, I don't want to get emotional. They don't have a place to run. Amen? They don't have a place to run. For many women in our community, you and I are their hope. So you can bring hope. If you don't want to listen to anybody else, that's okay. It is 10 3. You need to leave, leave now. This is a chance. I'll give you a chance. But uh, some people in this community, here in Anya, some people in uh, high schoolers, listen to me. You listen to me. There are some girls in your school that need hope, that need somebody by them. There are some people, guys, that are going to college right now, teachers, university teachers. There are girls in your class that may be thinking about an abortion. You are their hope, and you are the hope of that baby. So this is serious business. This is not a joke. And, and so I'm going to go ahead and, and jump this for time. And so this is what, when Mary got the news, said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Can we tell somebody, if you accept Jesus, if you put his hope in him, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Can we tell that to people? Can we give these people this hope, this promise? Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the son of God. Your child can be holy too. Any lady, any woman. This is not just something that applies just to, to Mary. And he said, now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And that's another story for a different day. Uh, for nothing, verse 33, for nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. Amen? And that's why God is the God of hope. Because if you trust him, nothing, absolutely nothing will be impossible for him. Amen? And so, I'm going to end with this, to make a long story short. I got more things to share, but I think that's enough. I think I made my point, right? If you made your point, don't keep beating the horse. <laughs> I made my point, and I'm going to be honest with you. Um, where are my conclusions? Somewhere in the back. It takes time to do this, people. Don't, don't, don't think it's easy. It's not. Bringing a child into this world is by no means easy. And don't come and tell a woman that it's easy because it's not easy. Let me ask you this question, just thinking about Mary, because she's our main, our testimony today. Do you think it was easy for Mary to be the mother of God? You think that's an easy task to do? 
Like even being the mother of God, the mother of Christ, she has to go through so much pain. And, and you know, I know it varies with, with families and, and people and, and, you know, but uh, children can bring a lot of pain, right? They're not a pain in the neck, but they can bring a lot of pain into your life, right? So bringing a child, we cannot tell a, a young woman that doesn't have a husband, that probably doesn't have a job, that is not done with her education, that is going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And that's why we need to be right by them so we can help them to carry the burden, right? And help, uh, help her to go through, through life and give this child a chance. So uh, don't mistake me. Having a child, bringing a child to this world can be a very painful and extremely difficult experience, right? Uh, and, and one of the things that, what, that the angel, that, you know, there was a prophecy actually, uh, I think this is in the context of when Mary went to the temple and Simeon, it was Simeon that was talking to her and he told her, as, you know, inspired by the Spirit of God, a sword of pain. In Spanish it says, a sword of pain will pierce your own soul too. So how many mothers are here? Raise your hand if you are a mother. Right, I want to see only female hands, mothers. Right? Uh, can you imagine for a minute, just, just think for a minute, that you were chosen to see in the public square your child being heard, stoned, spit on, slapped, uh, trespassed with a sword or a spur. I don't know what it was. I know. I'm just. Going crazy now. Seeing your son crucified between two thieves when you knew what kind of man he was. And you have to suffer that. And Mary was willing to do that. You know why? Because that was, that was God's will. So she, she, was, she went from being uh, confused to being maybe a little bit fearful to just relying on God and say, God, you are the God of hope. God is not my will, it's your will. I'm going to go through this. I'm going I'm I'm to do this. And it was painful and it was difficult and, and it was not easy. And so for many of these mothers bringing this child to the world, it's not going to be easy. It could be painful. It could be difficult. But that's God's will for us. And we need to support that. So I'm going to ask you this morning, to be, to think about this, to pray about um, about the whole clinic. Uh, oh, the hand move. Oh, sorry about that. I'm gonna move that. To pray for the Hope Clinic, I want you to uh, give some money today. And if you are not prepared today, you didn't went through the, you know, by the um, drive-through. You don't have the cash. Some people here like to, you know, the old days, scary cash. You don't have cash today. You are not prepared today. It's okay. We want to give you the whole week to get ready to pray for the Hope Clinic and to say, God, I believe in this ministry. And I'm not talking about your offering for today. This is special. Last year, we collected a little over $4,000.
So I pray and hope that we're going to have more than 4,000. Can we do that today? You are giving people. Let's, let's do this for a ministry that we believe in. I believe in the Hope Clinic. So let's go ahead, and if, if you have a check, go ahead and write your check. There's going to be a big bottle at the end. Put your check in there. You have cash. Put cash. I know these boys have cash. Stop buying candy and put some money in there. And, and if we want to give you all this week, you can stand up now. And, and we want to read this all together as a family because we believe in these. We believe that God created us, that life is precious. So Joe David is going to come and read this together with the congregation. Thank you so much for your time. May the Lord of hope be with you this week. May the Holy Spirit fill you with joy, peace, and give you the desire to get out of your comfort zone and to help those who are going through difficult times. God bless you. Let's go ahead and read it, brother. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained me to me were your book before one of them came to be. To a time of, um, of prayer for the family, so I'll invite our shepherds uh, to the front or uh, to the back of the auditorium. And if you have a need, uh, please join them or um, someone there near you that would be most eager to pray with you.